This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jackson with you here on 1067 The Fan. We're here till uh, 10 o'clock tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Get to uh, calls later this hour. And right now, our pleasure to bring in via the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books, download the BetQL app today. My friend Al Galdi, Nats Chat Podcast, and also the Al Galdi Podcast. I mean, wherever podcasts are available, you can find Al Galdi. Galdi, good to talk to you this, this evening. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, my friend. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Always good to talk to you. How about that Heineke magic? Um, just like everybody drew it up, right? Week 7, they would go back to Taylor after... <laughs> <laughs> the offseason is searching for quarterbacks. What, what did you What did you think of the ride with Taylor this weekend, and do you feel like maybe this is the direction this team is headed the rest of the way this year? Yeah, I mean, there is so much to take in with what happened with that game and where this team is at at quarterback. I mean, you and I have watched a lot of Washington football games over the years. So many people listening have watched a lot of Washington football games over the years. It's hard to remember a game in which a quarterback went from being horrendous to being actually pretty good. Like you got, it's funny. We talked about week one, the win over Jacksonville being the full Carson Wentz experience. This game was the full Taylor Heineke experience. So I think just the unique nature of the game stands out as much as anything. I mean, he was a special kind of horrendous over the first, say, 17 minutes of the game. And then the rest of the game, he actually was pretty good. It was one of the more spectacular in-game turnarounds that you'll ever see. I mean, look, we need more than a one-game sample, but I think it is so telling about so many things that already, I mean, you can make the case that this team, this season, may well be better with Taylor at quarterback than it was with Carson Wentz. And the fact that Ron Rivera on Monday morning answered that question about a potential quarterback controversy the way that Ron did, i.e. gave a non-answer answer, I think tells you that Ron thinks that that may be the case. I mean, for as bad as Heineke was early in the game, the team went 7-16 on third downs. The Packers came into the game number one in the NFL in third down defense. The Commanders came into the game having gone 3-22 of on third downs the last two games. That Heineke quarterback this offense to 7-16 of 
on third downs, I think that speaks to him quite possibly being the best option at quarterback for this team this season. Yeah, and you know, of course, we get to that weird 70% threshold at some point, right? But now with this, you know, with, with Carson Wentz sideline, maybe they don't have to worry about that. But that's the other fascinating thing about this, because even if you like the idea of giving Carson another chance, you still don't want him to hit the 70% threshold because you want to have that second-round pick. Yeah, I mean, you, just, you know, you think about this logically. So if Taylor Heineke plays well, I do think he's remaining as the commander's starting quarterback. If he doesn't play well, then that probably will mean that the commanders are out of postseason contention. And if that's the case, then at that point you would think, well, let's give Sam Howell a look Correct. and see what we got in him before we go quarterback shopping once again this offseason. So either way, I mean, it is possible that Carson Wentz isn't going to play again this year. Now, we know that things can get weird. Maybe Taylor gets hurt. Maybe Sam gets hurt or gets injured. So who knows? I don't think you can just bury Carson Wentz just yet. But yeah, I mean, I think that possibility is very much in play. Carson Wentz not playing again this season. And, you know, just to go back to the whole idea of is this team better off with Taylor at quarterback? I mean, you know, whatever you think about Carson and to whatever extent his struggles were on him, and I think we all know that they weren't all on him. The offensive line play has not been good. There have been other things as well. But, like, what does it say? The whole purpose of this all-out search for a franchise quarterback this offseason was to upgrade over Taylor Heineke. Here we are. It's not even Halloween yet, and we're back to saying that the best option for this team at quarterback is Taylor Heineke. Like, it really is amazing how things play out. Yeah, and it's just also, again, and you hate to bring money in it, but you have to, right? $28 million. There's not a big difference, right? I mean, they both, you know, grayed out sort of similarly, but, I mean, Taylor keeps you on the field at least for the first week, and again, as you said, and it's true, you got to give it a few more weeks. Uh, you know, and it makes the whole team better. If they, and again, if you wanted to play this formula, I don't know why you went bonkers the way you did in the offseason, spending $28 million on a quarterback, and oh yeah, taking a wide receiver in the first round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think... I think the thinking w- was multi-layered. So I do think that the team felt like it had to do something with the new name and the rebrand, and you got to get people excited about the season, and just running it back with Heineke wasn't going to get people excited. I think the other thing, though, was, hey, Carson Wentz at his best, I think, has a higher ceiling than Taylor Heineke has. The problem is you haven't gotten Carson Wentz at his best this right. season for a variety of reasons. But, like, when we have seen Carson be good, I mean, he has been good. What we saw against Jacksonville was good. What we saw in the second half and the loss at Detroit was good. But the problem is the bad has been really bad. And, you know, there's just been this high variance with him that has been maddening. But, of course, you have that, too, with Taylor. So, I don't know. Like, what are we going to see with Taylor Heineke moving forward? I don't think anyone has a good sense of that. But we did see him do a lot of good things as that game went on on Sunday, and obviously he was good enough to get them to a win. Al Galdi with us, Al Galdi Podcast, Nash Chat Podcast as well via the BetQL Guest Hotline with us here on Overtime on 106.7. The fan Scott Jackson here with you. You know, the, the other part of this is if you, if you, just, you, you could play the card that they just played in um, Indianapolis and say, hey, we didn't hold up our end of the bargain uh, by the time it is you know time to bring Carson Wentz back or not bring him back and Say yeah, we're we're gonna go ahead and uh, you know try to build these build this offensive lineup you know better for him in the off season whatever you want to whatever you want to spin it and uh, make things better for him and, and bring him back that way I, I suppose but also at the same time keep your eye on that snap count uh, so you you ensure that you keep the second round pick. You know I suppose you could do that. I mean I think a lot of this too is where are you in relation to the draft. I mean. Look, who knows 
how the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft are going to be. We all thought that the 2021 draft was special at quarterback, and right now it doesn't look like that was the case. So who the heck knows? But this is supposedly a quarterback-rich 2023 draft. If you are in position to have, say, a top-10 pick, a top-5 pick, and finally get your hands on a true potential stud quarterback in a draft, then I think that has to govern everything that you do. I mean, I also think you could play it as you avoid Carson getting to 70%, you bring him back for next season, and you still go quarterback shopping this sure. offseason. Because yeah. until you have a franchise guy, you got to keep looking for that franchise guy. And there's nothing wrong with just having a bunch of different options for next season. So there are a lot of ways this could go. Obviously, Carson's money is a part of the equation. You know, Do you want to have someone with a big, fat cap number when you don't view him necessarily or is even your starter for next year? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think if we've learned one thing, it's that you don't know with this team at quarterback because the team itself doesn't know, right? right? I mean, since Kirk left, this team has started at least three different quarterbacks every year beginning with the 2018 season. It does feel like this season could end up being one of those years we'll see. But even with whatever happens the rest of this season, I think we're already kind of prepared for more quarterback uncertainty, more quarterback conversation this offseason because the situation right now feels like it's anything but settled. Absolutely. Uh, Al Galdi with us. We're, we're talking commanders. We're going to get to the baseball here in a second. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you feel like this defense is turning a corner in terms of improvement or maybe you got to also say, yeah, I mean, that's not the real Aaron Rodgers in the, in the Green Bay Packers of this game in this weekend. And, yeah, it was Chicago, and Chicago kind of shot themselves in the foot. But yet Chicago looked great last night against the Patriots. I mean, how, how do you kind of flesh out what we've seen from this defensive improvement, so to speak, over these last few weeks? I do like what we're seeing from the defense, and I am encouraged by what we're seeing from the defense. And one of the big reasons is it's not just the last two games in which the defense has done good things. I think the defense has played well since the loss at the Lions in Week 2. I know that it didn't always feel like the defense was playing well, but I thought the defense did some good things in the loss to Philly in Week 3, did some good things in the loss at Dallas in week four it hasn't been a perfect defense no doubt some of the penalties drive you nuts and the giving up at big plays has been a problem but the defense has been tremendous against the run the defense has had a defensive line that it feels like really is playing at a high level and that's of course despite being without chase young and Fedarian mathis and the secondary certainly seems to settle down uh, especially off the benching of William Jackson the third. I mean, that the commanders are second in the NFL in third down defense, all finishing last season next to last in the NFL in third down defense. That is remarkable improvement. That is quite a one-season turnaround there. And so, like, yes, some of this is the opposition, but, you know, like you just said with the Bears, maybe they're not as bad offensively right. as they look like in, in that Thursday night game. I mean, I, I think I would say this with the defense. It's not dominant it's not necessarily a defense that can carry you to a postseason but I do think the defense is a lot better this season than what was on display last season and I do think it could end up being that we view this 2022 commander's defense as being a real strength you know maybe it's not a top five defense but you know maybe it is a top 10 defense I mean statistically speaking right now it's playing uh, at a top 10 level maybe even a top five level depending on what you look at and uh, there is another level that the defense can get to. You know, I talked about the giving up the big plays. You know, maybe that's slowing down. You didn't give up any real big plays against the Packers. There's also the takeaways thing. The commanders all year have forced four takeaways, and two of them are special teams takeaways. Right. 
that's going to change. Takeaways are kind of a fluky thing that you've generated two takeaways over seven games. That's not going to hold up. Like the, t- the defense is going to start producing some takeaways. So there's still that aspect of the defense uh, to be thinking about to say nothing of, you know, what Chase Young might be able to give you once he comes back. So I give the players a lot of credit. I give Jack Del Rio and his assistants a lot of credit. I think they're doing a good job. I think it's telling that Ron, during his presser on Monday morning, multiple times praised Jack Del Rio and the game plan and the things that Jack and his assistants are doing. Uh, I think it's okay to feel good about this defense right now. No, I, I think you bring up some really good points. And, yeah, the takeaways. I mean, they're doing it without any takeaways, which is incredible um, to this point uh, as well. We're here with Al Galdi, Al Galdi uh, podcast, also the Nash Chat podcast with us here uh, via the BetQL guest hotline on overtime on 106.7 The Fan. All right, I want to get to some baseball before we let you go. The Man, the playoffs were like a house of horrors for Nationals fans. I mean, and, I, and I'm one of them. I mean, I, every night I turned on the TV – uh, I would see a former Nat, you know, and they're not just like average Nats either. I mean, you're talking about, you know, star players, right, that were here. And, you know, in one sense you say to yourself, well, it's great that at some point you, you, comp- you know, they got all this talent here and they're able to do it. Uh, I'm sure they'll do it again. <laughs> but the other part of you, you know, sits here and goes, but what do we have to show for it? So this is why I bring you in because you're my baseball guy. Uh, what, did, did they get enough to show for it, the fact that, you know, Juan Soto's gone, and obviously Trey Turner, you know, those were trades. You know, Bryce Harper left via free agency. Uh, you know, nothing to do about that. They traded Kyle Schwarber, who really was, you know, he was barely a national, but he was really good in the short period of time he was here. But did they get enough out of this, you know, teardown uh, that we're in the middle of? Um, I think they got a decent amount. It's not overwhelming. I think the thing that maybe – you could feel good about is what they did get back for Juan Soto and Josh Bell. You know, the initial impressions of that haul were lukewarm as time has gone on and you kind of study what they got and you look into who they got. They did get a bunch of promising prospects, but you know, there is a saying in baseball prospects are suspects until proven otherwise. (laughs) And so even if you get a bunch of highly regarded prospects, it's like, get back to me in five years when we figure out what those prospects are. It is tough. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I think most people expected the Nats to be bad this season. They were, you know, we just talked about Heineke early in the game against the Packers. The Nats were a special kind of bad this past season. They really were horrendous. You know, when we were kids, our moms told us, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. (laughs) There was very little nice to say about the Nats this past season. They were bad in basically everything that you can think of. Um, so yeah, like, I think that's a big part of what's going on here. I would though point out a few things. Number one, it's not as simple as why didn't the Nats keep all of these guys? Each guy has kind of his own story to him. And, you know, there is some revisionist history. Very few people were banging the drum for them to re-sign Bryce Harper after his final season here, because the thinking was we have Juan Soto, we have Victor Robles. He wants Harper wants all this money he's been hurt a lot his overall performance actually has not been as good as people may think that it is and so letting him go via free agency which by the way is what the Nats did he wanted to come back this isn't like he chose to leave them this was they didn't want him back they didn't want to pay him what he wanted it made sense at the time the Nats won the World Series the next year so I don't know I feel like there's sort of a retroactive lament that we're hearing from people right now and then I think with others I mean I don't regret losing Anthony Rendon. I mean, look at what he's done for the Angels since he left. Right. Uh, you know, you, you look at 
Trey Turner. I mean, we'll see. It's interesting with Trey because he's going into his 30s. He's about to get a huge contract. That's usually the danger zone when you start giving massive money to guys as they're entering their 30s. So I think it's to be determined uh, with some of these guys. You know, Max Scherzer obviously is older. He pitched well in the regular season this year, but he did not come through for the Mets in some big games as the season went on. But here, to me, is the biggest item because there's kind of an okey-doke going on here. The reason that the Nats are in the position they're in isn't because these guys aren't on the team anymore. The reason that the Nats are in the position they're in isn't because Steven Strasburg got hurt or Patrick Corbin has fallen apart. The reason that the Nats are in the position that they're in, and this is the number one reason, and it's really not close, their farm system and player development have collapsed in recent years. And they haven't had the next wave of guys to replace these guys who left. It's interesting to me that the team opposing Bryce Harper in this World Series is the team that the Nats beat in the 2019 World Series, the Astros. Why haven't the Astros fallen apart since the 19 World Series the way that the Nats are? You know, the Astros since that 2019 World Series have lost a lot of good players. Garrett Cole, gone. George Springer, gone. Carlos Correa, gone. Zach Granke, gone. So why aren't the Astros in the same position the Nats are in? The answer is the Astros have been able to adequately replace those guys with smart moves, but also good player development, good drafting, etc. The Nats have not had that. And that's why they're in the position that they're in, and they've got to get back to that. They've got to get back to drafting and developing players well, because if they don't, it doesn't matter who they keep and who they pay. It's very hard to be good in baseball for any sustained period of time if you don't draft and develop well. All right. Now, I noticed you didn't mention my guy Dusty Baker is the reason why they're stood back there as well. Um, <laughs> But, no, I mean, listen, if anybody deserves a, a, a lifetime achievement award of a World Series, this guy, I mean, as much as he's blood, sweat, and tears, look, his teams have been really good. Obviously, we know he's had some playoff tragedies. Some of them has been his own doing, clearly, uh, over the years. But what, what are your thoughts on Dusty and the way he's managed these Astros and whether or not they can uh, – the beat a Phillies team that's obviously the huge surprise to be here, but, but really red hot right now. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing bad to say about Dusty. I mean, Dusty – Every indication is that he's a good man. I thought he did a lot of good things during his time here. I thought April through September, he was magnificent. You know, the yeah. problem for Dusty was in October. But, you know, I think that if you're into, like, storylines and uh, ironic endings and things like that, it's hysterical to me that his World Series championship may finally come with him managing one of the ultimate examples of an analytically inclined team in the Astros. Like, this marriage has always been so (laughs) funny to me. Old school Dusty with the new age Astros. But it's a marriage that has worked because the Astros needed a guy like Dusty off the scandal. And, you know, I don't think that Dusty, like, all of a sudden has changed all of his ways. But it was never about that. It was just about being more open-minded to some things and, you know, just sort of modifying some things. He didn't have to totally revamp the way that he managed, but it was just, you know, you got to be a little more in tune with the way that things are being done around the game. And, you know, that in conjunction with some luck, because, you know, Dusty has been snake-bitten in previous Octobers. You know, there was an element of like a Murphy's Law where like anything that could go wrong did go wrong. I think all of these things have kind of come together. And so I, I just, I find it so funny that it's with a team like the Astros that Dusty may finally get his World Series championship. I just I think that that's like the baseball gods laughing at all of us. But, you know, I've always comped Dusty to Marty Schottenheimer. I think there are a lot of parallels there. Marty, of course, never got his Super Bowl title. You could argue, though, he had a Hall of Fame career as an NFL head coach. I, you know, I think at this point you could argue Dusty is already worthy of being in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But clearly, yeah. if he gets this World Series title, 
uh, he will have you know cemented his spot uh, in Cooperstown. And you know, with the Phillies, that's another thing that's funny. So much for the regular season, right? Dodgers, Mets, yep. Braves, all these teams had these great regular seasons. Nobody was overwhelmed by the Phillies season, and yet the Phillies are the last team standing in the National League. It tells you so much about the nature of the postseason. Yeah, it does. And it, look, they've been. I, if it wasn't Philly, I'd probably really liked watching them, but they're Phillies. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't just hug them, but no doubt. All right. Hey, Al, thanks for joining us, man. Great stuff. Al Galdi podcast. Check it out. And uh, the Nats Chat Podcast. Are you guys on hiatus, you and Zuck, uh, for the offseason, or do you guys do like a weekly or two weeklies, or how are you working that? Yeah, we're going to do sporadic installments of the Nats Chat Podcast as news warrants. So yeah. if uh, your guy Teddy is about to buy the Nats, then we'll have an episode coming. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, that, that's uh, sporadic in the offseason, and uh, Al Galdi Podcast, new episode each weekday morning, Monday through Friday, out early in the morning. Awesome. All right, Galdi, thanks. Get some sleep. I know you're ready to do that. I'll, uh, <laughs> it's leg day tomorrow, too, probably. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, today was chest day, so tomorrow's actually an off day. But thank you. I, I appreciate you having me on. All right. Always good talking to you, buddy. Take care. Al Galdi, uh, he's, a, he's a beast. He'll have uh, your podcast up for you early tomorrow morning. Always good talking to him. And brings up some great points about the, uh, the, about the marriage between Dusty Baker and the Houston Astros. And again, at Al Galdi on Twitter. Good to talk to him. A um, couple things off of the Nats I want to get to on the other side, and then we'll we'll move back to some commanders and NFL stuff. But it, it is one of the most frustrating things about watching the postseason and uh, kind of living through the season we just lived through. We'll get to that coming up next. It's Overtime. Scott Jackson with you here on 106.7 The Fan. Six seven the fan again. Uh, thanks to uh, Al Goli for joining us, talking baseball and Commanders. We'll get to the Commanders conversation a little bit more um, with Taylor Heineke, and of course, what he may be able to do. Will he change their mindset on Carson Wentz? Is there, you know, was their mindset souring? It's a real question of Carson Wentz prior to him even getting injured. Uh, is what I'd love to know. And will anybody ever admit it? But maybe not. Look, they were riding high off that uh, big win over the over the Bears. Um, <laughs> being so sarcastic. I'm sorry. Uh, that win over the Bears. Uh, it was it was such. I mean, they threw ninety threw ninety nine yards. I mean, they had back to back weeks of converting a grand total of three third downs. I mean, it's just you, you can't play that way. You, you can't possibly think that's good for you. I, you know, I don't know. I'd love to know what Scott Turner was thinking. I would imagine he was very excited uh, to find out Taylor Heineke was going to play. I, I really believe that. And maybe that's unfair, but I really think that's the way it was. I think he, it wasn't just players that are excited to see him back in that regard. And, yeah, he's got some deficiencies, clearly. Yeah, they're not going to throw the ball downfield like they were um, with Wentz, but they're also going to keep their defense fresh, and they're going to you know have a guy who can actually save himself when the pass rush is coming. I mean, this weekend – if you look at it, I mean, it's a crazy weekend, right? Like, P.J. Walker beat Tom Brady. Taylor Heineke beat, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, these are just some of the crazy quarterback things that have been going on around the NFL. And now, obviously, you know, they're going to make the move for, you know, in Indianapolis for this guy named Sam El Ellinger. Ellinger? Is it Ellinger? Yeah, Sam Ellinger. <laughs> I don't even know his name. Uh, Sam Ellinger over Matt Ryan. I mean, I've never been the biggest Matt Ryan guy, but certainly, you know, I didn't think he'd be this bad, but he's been terrible. And a lot of it is their, their offensive line isn't good. And, you know, offensive line, this has been going on for a while. I think Bill Parcells maybe 
brought this to the attention of uh, the league a while back, and Tom Coughlin has talked about this as well um, a few years back when he was still the Presidente of the Jags. It's been more than a few years at this point. But, you know, like offensive line play is deteriorated. In college, it's tough with – there's not the quality of offensive line there used to be available. And it's showing in some of these teams. It's showing for sure. And if you got a guy who can play off schedule and make ridiculous throws and buy himself some time, you're better off for it. And that was who Carson Wentz was. That's who he was for a long time in Philadelphia. Uh, but the injuries, I really think they've taken their toll on him. It just it looks pretty obvious to me now. And again, the last year version of him was not great in Indy, but the version of him this year in these first six weeks, whether fair or not, has been, you know, has not been good. Not been good enough for uh, this team. All right, so some of the baseball stuff that Al talked about is so true. I, I do feel like we have gone through a bit of a revisionist thing on Bryce Harper here. I mean, it was not, you know, something – remember, he signed very late in free agency too. I mean, there were opportunities for the Nationals to keep him. They chose not to. They tried to do the deferred money thing with him. He wasn't interested in being the next Bobby Bonilla. He didn't need that. And, I, I, hey, that's good for him, you know, if he didn't want to do it. You know, hopefully when he's Bobby Bonilla's age, he's not regretting not taking a deal like that, but whatever. Um, but, yes, there was always this feeling, hey, you've got this guy or that guy to pay for, so you can't do this with Bryce. And that's very true. In the moment, that is exactly how I felt. I would agree with him. Yeah, I was pissed he went to the Phillies because that's in division. But, you know, hey, they, they ponied up the money. Hell, for three years I've been laughing about it uh, because they hadn't busted a grape, as my friend Rick Walker would say. But, obviously, this year they did, and they're in the World Series. And, he, look, he's a tremendous player. He's a clutch player. Yeah, you know, look, I'm not going to lie to you. Did it bother me that he used to wear, you know, a Duke hat and a Cowboys hat and then, then show up to a Redskins game? Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, I never really felt like he could make up his mind. I think he's just, you know, he's one of those guys who just, you know, whatever's going to make everybody happy, he would go for that route. You know, he's a really a Cowboys fan and a Duke guy and a Laker fan, I'm sure, too. You know, so that's fine. Be that guy, you know. Yankee fan as a kid. But, you know, he, he changed. You know, he did. Oh, I'm a big Redskins fan. <laughs> you're like, no, you're not. But he was trying to be supportive of the locals, I suppose. Uh, anyway, it was interesting how he used to kind of morph in and out of, like, who he was. But, look, he's a great player. Uh, they've had a, an amazing playoff run, as have the Astros. But So I didn't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, screw him. He he screwed over this franchise because he didn't. I mean, they, they made the conscious choice to do it this way. And, you know, he made his choice. And, again, they won the World Series the very next season. But I always had in the back of my pocket, hey, it's okay. Bryce can hit home runs in Philadelphia because, hey, you know, because you got Juan Soto, you got Trey Turner. I mean, we're going to take care of these dudes because these guys are Nats for life. But, no, they didn't. And that's what pisses me off about the whole process. And, I, and I'm not over it. I'm probably on the wrong airwaves to be talking about this. It's probably a touchy topic with some people. <laughs> but, anyway, it, you know, we got, we got bamboozled. I mean, we got bamboozled. <laughs> you know, we were told we were making these savings and, and making these tough decisions on people we like to keep, you know, the ultimate ones. And instead we went, you know, two and a half early on a guy who you didn't have to make a decision on this offseason. Meanwhile, you may be selling the team in the offseason, which is infuriating that, you know, again, you made a decision for whoever the next person was. 
And I know that some of the, these baseball people are spinning it. Oh, no, no, they did them a favor because nobody wanted to be the bad guy next up. Really? Some big balls owner is paying billions of dollars. I bet you a, a few bucks that they probably did want to make that decision. I, I bet they would probably like to have their imprint on what's done with the best and most valuable player of a franchise. But they don't get to do that now because they made their decision. Um, did they get enough of a haul? Who knows? We'll see. And Al's saying is so true. And there's another saying in other sports, which is, you know, potential got a lot of people fired, you know, and that's true. And it's the same thing, but I mean, he nailed it. I mean, the bigger part of this, you know, shell game here that's been played on us over these last few years beyond the, Oh, this guy got hurt. This guy went there. They lived that is the fact that the farm system has gone to crap and the player development has been bad, you know? And again, um, here's Houston, who you beat in the World Series, still still staying up at a pretty high level. And the other thing I've also come to learn, which I was told during the whole process with Juan Soto, because, well, they didn't draw fans, and, you know, Juan Soto, you, you can't overspend on like, – you can't spend big dollars on players uh, in order to actually, you know, to, to be a good team. You know, good teams don't do that kind of stuff yet. I look at the Astros' payroll. I look at the Phillies' payroll. My God, okay, really? You know, Dodgers, others, and I know they have a crappy television deal. Totally get it. But some of this stuff is just disingenuous that gets sp- spotted, spouted out here. And I'm hopeful they can do it again. But, man, to think of all the, the play, all the teams that are in the playoffs, you know, and all the players that were here at one point that aren't here now, that have been sprinkled around, it's a hell of a, it's a, hell of a group of players. And to think that you're going to be able to replicate that again, I, I, I think, I hope. I'm hopeful, but boy, whew, we'll see. We'll see if you ever have it that good again, and hopefully you'll have more to show for it in the end if you if you choose to go that route, you know, down the road next time. But I'm hopeful the uh, the new um, the new people, whoever they are, whether it's Ted Leonsis or whoever, um, handle it differently. We'll see. All right, um, coming up, we're going to get some phone calls. We're going to get to uh, at the top of the hour, Nick Ackridge, uh, Commanders. PFF grades from this week. Um, we'll, we'll grade the Heineke versus the Wentz from the season, too. And, again, it's not fair to do it just on the, this week, but through, like, Heineke from last season to Wentz this year. I, I saw this stat last week, and I thought it was really wild. <laughs> it was really funny because Ron Rivera had that, you know, that fit that he threw uh, Thursday night after the Bears game about the report and, and saying, you know, it was like he was dropping all kinds of bad words about – it was his decision. It wasn't Dan Snyder's decision to bring in Carson Wentz. I looked at all the analytics and blah, 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 and, you know, he was just pissed. But one of the goofy analytics that I saw last week, it's not really a great, amazing analytic, but it's, you know, it's not like something you have to dig deep for or I have an agency to, that works for you, but it's like yards per uh, attempt, you know, and Carson was tied with Taylor Heineke from last season, <laughs> you know, and one of the big sells on, you know, Finding somebody else was, you know, somebody who'll stretch the field more, you know, be better at it. It was just kind of funny to me um, that that was the case. But anyway, and, you know, look, you, you had to do more than just read the analytics. You had to watch the games, I hope, at some point too, right, to see that this this guy was, you know, they were playing to, to basically um, not, uh, you know, basically to not lose the game for him. I mean, like, yeah, like, games where he barely threw the football that they won. I mean, they beat the Patriots with him barely throwing the football. They beat the Texans same way, beat, beat the Bills last year with him barely throwing the football in Indianapolis. So that's the other fascinating thing about 
this whole conversation about the due diligence that was done, it was like, wow, did you guys miss some of the stuff? It seemed pretty obvious to many people on the outside, but maybe not. Maybe not. And then, of course, there's the whole health thing, which, again, that's not going to show up in the PFF reports and all this other stuff, all these measurables. But clearly, he's just not the guy that he once was. And it happens. And it's a shame because, man, he was special. There's no doubt. I mean, when he was first in Philly, yeah, he had some shortcomings, no question. But, man, the athleticism was special. All right. We'll get to some calls coming up. Then we're going to get to Nick Ackridge, 800-636-1067, Whether or not, you know, the commanders could really just – Pull the plug after six games on Carson Wentz, or do you think, no, 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 he's going to be back in the mix before it's over with. And they may end up giving up a second for him before it's all said and done. Your thoughts on that? We'll get to that, and then we'll get to uh, Nick Ackridge talking from PFF at the top of the hour here. It's overtime. Scott Jackson with you here on 106.7 The Fan. more phone calls at 800-636-1067. We'll do some right now. Thanks for waiting, Bob, in Virginia. You're uh, next up with us here on Overtime. How you doing? I wanted to uh, kind of start hearing all the uh, talk of the Taylor Heineke and, oh, look at him. You know, he's uh, came in, gave us a win, but, you know, how the game plan the game plan changed. I mean, how many times did the commanders run the ball 38 times when Wentz was, you know, the quarterback? So they're asking Heineke to do less than Carson Wentz did, right? Um, did you also notice they converted third down so they could have those more plays to run the ball more often and actually, you know, you have a bigger play sheet when you have more plays, do you not? Yeah, I mean, yeah, true yeah. that. And you know what else um, there is? I mean, you know what else there is with Heineke? There's the fear he may run the ball too. So some of those linebackers aren't sitting on your run plays either. Um, there's no fear that Carson Wentz is going to run anymore. Uh, so there's yeah. a little bit of both there. Um, he, right. You also notice right. the quarterback didn't drift into like a sack like 15 yards away from the line of scrimmage. Did you notice that too? Like that didn't happen like seven or eight times like it had been previous weeks. Yeah, 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 no, no, yes, yeah, yeah. Did you also catch the fact that they can? There is a middle of the field that you can use. I mean, believe it or not, I know he's going to get ripped for not throwing outside the numbers enough, but you know you can also throw the middle of the field where the other guy never did. I mean, they didn't never threw between the hashes. I mean, they were at ninety some odd yards like two weeks ago between the hashes the entire season, which is incredible. But hey, whatever, right. you know. I mean, yeah, if you're I mean, happy with for twenty eight million? If you think that was good quarterbacking. I would like to come work for you. What You tell me what business you own. I would love to come work for you. Yeah, I, I don't own the business, but, I mean, I mean. That's I mean, the that's, point. That's, it's not, and I'm not here telling you Taylor Heineke's Joe Burrow, okay, or anything else, but in terms of, like, for the price and for the production, you know, like, wh- what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? And, like, I'm yeah. not going to double down and give up a second-round pick next year as well for this mistake. That's all. You know, that's, that's my feeling. I mean, I, I don't know right. what they're I feeling. Mean, they may, they may double down and do something stupid like that. I mean, that would, that would be par for the course here. But I, I would personally vote against that. No matter how bad, even if Heineke looks terrible the next four weeks, it, I would go to Hal next for sure if that were the case, and just again manipulate the second round thing at the bare minimum to make sure you're not giving up that. Right. I mean, you know, a second round draft pick. I mean, with their draft history, you know, what's that going to get you? But, I mean, the point is, you know. Well, you can't afford to give them picks, is my point. 
I mean, when you when you bring in when I mean you're bringing in Wentz to throw the ball down the field. I mean, you knew what you were getting with Heineke to begin with. Sure. You know, that's why you went out and got Wentz. Now the offensive line can't protect. I mean, you know, so well, Wentz again is getting trouble, and then sure. Heineke doesn't have the arm strength. Ar- Heineke decisions. doesn't have the arm strength to throw it deep. So I mean, no. the whole game plan changed. Well, so, he did throw the I mean, ball. That's my, he, did, he threw the ball forty-seven yards. I think they listed it in the air for a touchdown, right? There was 47 yards, air yards, or 47 and a half on the TD pass to Terry. I know it's a 37-yard by line of scrimmage, but if you go to the – I think the, the good old folks from NextGen had that today, that it like the, the distance in the air. So, look, yeah, he's right. not able to force it late like, like Wentz is, but he can process quicker. He's just got to be – he's got to be more decisive. He's got to process quicker, throw guys mm-hmm. into their spots, which I think he did as the game went on, which Carson was bad at. I mean, look – Carson's not an accurate thrower. We know that. I mean, we knew that coming in. That's why you heard about catch radius the entire offseason. I mean, if, right. you know, it's like, what the hell is catch radius? Where is this coming from? Like right. Position flex a few years ago, right? But, I mean, they're talking about catch radius all the time. And I was like, what do they mean? And they're like, oh, yeah, I get it now because this guy's like, so wholly inaccurate in practice. I get it. So, excuse me, the air yeah. distance on the touchdown pass is 49.4 yards, uh, as a matter of fact, thanks to the folks at NextGen. So, listen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to throw it 70, but how often did that happen right. with the other guy? I mean, honestly. Well, I mean, in the first – two times. I mean, yeah, it, right, times. in the first couple of weeks, you know, that we were throwing, you know, throwing deep yeah. uh, quite a bit. But, you know, uh, and, you know, with this whole thing, where, you know, with the Wentz getting injured, I said we have three different scenarios. You know, mm-hmm. Heineke comes in, goes 4-0, and we say, oh, you know, Wentz is done. Heineke goes 0-4. You bring in Hal. Yeah. He goes two and two. You go, eh, we go back to Wentz, right? Possibly. Yeah. And that would you, be the third one. I, I think there's just... still a chance they go back to him, but maybe you have to get you have to get Hal in there at some point. But maybe it's even like, okay, Carson's after Taylor and then went, then it's Hal for the, the mop up part of the season if there is a, you know, if it is a mop up situation at that point. Right. You know what I mean? So there's a few ways yeah. it can go. I would just be very careful if I were them about the seventy percent, because there is no reason <laughs> to do that because you were not getting a second, a you know, a a, a third rounder, second rounder quality quarterback here over these first six games prior to the injury. That that's all I'd say. All right, thanks for the call, uh, Bob. I got to move on. Let's get to Will next in Springfield. Will, you're with us here on overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, man? How you doing? Love the show. Thanks, Bill. Uh, my 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 thing is this: like like how can you really assess wins when you know the, the the coaching has dropped off from pretty much from the NFL to pretty much high school football. You know what I mean? Like like, like the play calling is so much worse than when he had when he had Dougie P and then my man from from the Colts. Like the play calling stinks. You know what I mean? So you really can't assess them. And and I mean to be honest with you, if, if it was me, yeah, I, I would have kept I would have kept Haneke. And just played, you know, paid more money towards the defensive players that left. But but how can you really assess that? Well, I mean, they also made some bad decisions in their own offensive line. I mean, self-inflicted cutting of you know flowers made no sense. I mean, you knew you weren't going to keep Sheriff. I mean, so you, then you could have gone out and done that. And as much as I like, you know, Schweitzer, he has had a history of being injured every single season. So. You've had that problem, too, and you had a center coming off surgery. So, I mean, you could have actually invested in your offensive line a little bit more, too. But I hear you, man. Um, look, they, I, 
he's also limited what Scott Turner can do, I think. I, I mean, I guess there's two ways of looking at it. Did, did Scott sabotage him? I don't think so. I think he had plays in there that the guy liked. I mean, they were great together in week one. Week two, they took a half off together after that. It's been pretty rough. I mean, you know, he doesn't hit the layups, and this has been true about him wherever he's been. And he doesn't use the middle of the field very well. Um, these are all true things, and he's not the most accurate of quarterbacks. So, I mean, all, but, but, you know, in some places, the good and the athleticism has covered up a lot of that stuff. And I think it was Joe Banner or one of the guys that had been, you know, in Philly that brought this up, and I think it's 1,000% true. I mean, the athleticism that he used to have – the ability to get out of the way, you know, with the knee surgeries and you know, I, the foot injury, it just doesn't look like he has that anymore. And I, I don't know if he gets that back. It doesn't sure look like it. And, yeah, the offensive line definitely did not help. I mean, when you had a right guard at one point that was literally getting run over, like literally run over on his back all the time, that was that was not good when Trey Turner was in there. No. And then you had the center that was on skates for a while as well. And then you had the low snaps. But you also had one of 11 on third down. You had two of 12 on third down. I mean, these things happened. I mean, again, and if you go back and watch, you don't even have to watch the All-22. I mean, the Bears game, there's a bunch of examples. Guys open. I mean, J.D. McKissick's wide open. I mean, ignores him. I mean, look, he was a, he loved the tight end in Philly. Here he, he hated the tight end for some reason. And Taylor this week found Armani Rogers a few times to bail himself out. All right. Nick Ackridge is going to come up with his commander's PFF. We'll uh, get his thoughts on all this stuff with the uh, team and the quarterback decision down the road. And, yeah, we'll uh, we'll find out about the process. Like, how do they make the donuts with PFF? We'll get to all that next. It's Overtime. Scott Jackson with you here on 106.7 The Fan, streaming live on the free Odyssey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <laughs> 